Hi folks, thanks for joining us this week. Well, things are going to be a little bit different yet again. If you've been following with us online, you know that we've gone back to in-person meetings and we've been offering the teaching online, but the uh, prayer and uh, music, singing, other aspects of being live. Um, as of this Sunday, so today as you're watching this, we will be recording the sermon that's happening at New Life live and then releasing that for the next week. So this week you are actually getting um, a very specialized kind of sermon and then next week you will be following with the rest of the teaching that's happening live. But it will be done rather than me in my office here, it will be me on the stage teaching live and uh, you'll get the recording of that uh, the week following. So today, uh, what I hope to do is just to help us think about mercy and how mercy reigns in God's kingdom. And we're going to look at uh, a story of Jesus interacting with some people in Matthew chapter 9 and uh, hopefully have some good learning from that. So we're glad that you're with us and you'll see what's happening as we get into next week and we begin the series for you in our online campus of Face to Face. And uh, we trust that, uh, that you are well, that the Lord is encouraging you and alive in your life and certainly we are so glad to continue journeying, journeying with you uh, in this format. And um, we care about you and want to um, support you through these days and uh, just thank you for tuning in. Okay, bye for now. Hi friends, thanks for joining us today. I want to tell you about a story from World War II just a few days before Christmas. Charles Brown, who was a pilot of a, of a bomber, had been flying over Germany and his plane was severely damaged. Several of his crew were injured and uh, his tail gunner at the back of the plane was dead. And they were in the skies trying to limp their way back to, um, to allied safe territory. And he and his co-pilot looked and there beside them was a German fighter plane and they froze. They didn't know what to do. They thought for sure that they were done for. They couldn't fight back and they were sitting ducks. And this is all happening very quickly. And then they notice that this German fighter pilot uh, is right beside them and just gives them a tip and nods and does nothing and lets them go. It was this beautiful act of mercy. After the war, Charles actually uh, did all the work to find out who that fighter pilot was. His name was Franz Sigler, and they met. And this is a picture of them when they were both young men and then later in life as they were still friends. What a beautiful story of how mercy can work. And it's this wonderful depiction of what God actually desires for humanity. And particularly, I think, what should be the norm for all of God's people, those who identify with Jesus, that they can be characterized as people of mercy. And sometimes it kind of grieves me that 
the church is often viewed at as more of a judgmental group of people than a people characterized by mercy. And I think if we are going to look at what does it mean to be people who are characterized by mercy, then I think we, we look no further than Jesus himself. I want to read for you from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has been performing many miracles that you'll read about in chapter 8 and then the beginning of chapter 9. And then in chapter 9, beginning at verse 9, Matthew records this for us. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. I love, I love the succinctness of that. Jesus is saying, hey, Matthew, come on, let's go. And Matthew says, okay, and away they go. And so later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, hey, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Because I've come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. And, and this is a story where Jesus is oozing mercy the text implies that tax collectors were looked at unfavorably, and we've joked about that in the past. They still are today. And then this group of other disreputable sinners, and that's no different than our day today. There are people that we all deem as, as good people who are deserving of the good things in life, and these people are not. And this account that Matthew gives us is pushing against that because what you see in Jesus is someone who is oozing mercy for people who most of us would deem to be unworthy of it. There's something I find fascinating in this passage and it's this. Mercy confronts religiosity. In this text, the Pharisees are the people that are, that are questioning Jesus' disciples, asking them why Jesus is spending his time. If he's supposed to be a good religious man, why is he spending his time with people who he shouldn't be associating with? It's improper for him to be associating with these people. And the Pharisees were religious leaders of their day. And, and I've said this before, and, and I still think it's true that that the Pharisees are probably the group that are represented in the biblical text that most closely resemble many of the church leaders of our day. And I, I think we need to pay attention to that. And whenever you read about Jesus in the, in the biblical text from these various authors who are recording his life for us, when, when they're telling us these things, you almost always see that when Jesus is extending mercy to people that, that everyone thinks aren't worthy of it, it, it bothers the religious people. They have issues with Jesus behaving in this way. 
And Jesus is regularly coming up against them and confronting them lovingly, but saying, you have to understand and know what God's kingdom is like. And God's kingdom is, is a kingdom where he wants everyone coming in, not working desperately to keep everyone out. And that's not to say that there isn't a place for judgment. But what you find throughout the scriptures is people confusing uh, who's responsible for judgment. And so often there's a human tendency to take it upon ourselves to become the one who gives judgment rather than letting God do that. And this story is one of those stories that pushes against that. Mercy pushes against the exclusivity of religiosity or of religion. And it's worth noting that in the text. And what's interesting is the confusion that that religion creates around who's sick and who's not. So in this, in this passage, in verse 11, the Pharisees go to Jesus' disciples and they say, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And then Jesus obviously gets word of this. And his reply to them is this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. I suspect that if you were reading this story for the first time, or some of you will be familiar about this, you're probably reading it and thinking, when Jesus says healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people too, well, obviously Jesus is talking about the people he's having dinner with, Matthew and the other disreputable sinners. They are the sick people. And healthy people, the Pharisees, the righteous people, they don't need a doctor. It's the sick people who do. And, you know, for the longest time, that's how I read this text. That's exactly what I would have thought when I read it. And then one day I was sitting there looking at it, and I realized maybe I've been reading it the wrong way. When they ask why Jesus is eating with these people and, and his response is, you know, almost, I'm thinking that Jesus is justifying what he's doing. Well, I'm, I'm eating with them because they're the sick people and they need a doctor and, and I can heal them. But I think maybe what Jesus is doing is, is actually um, turning their thinking upside down on its head. And he's confronting their hard attitude. Because I think in this text, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think when Jesus says healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, I, I just wonder if maybe the Pharisees are actually the people that he's addressing. Because in the next verse, he actually says, I've come not to call those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. In other words, I can't help people who who don't want to be helped. I can help those who do want to be helped. And what's fascinating to me is he actually takes the religious people and he says, listen, I've got some homework for you. There's some, there's some scriptures that you're familiar with. 
I want you to go and I want you to read them again. I want you to look at it again. And I want you to think about what it means. And he points them back to the prophet Hosea. And Hosea is a prophet in the Old Testament. It's, it's not, a, not a long book. It's actually, if you're turning back in your pages, it's, it's not that far before the book of Matthew. You can find it just by doing a little bit of flipping. And he points them to Hosea 6.6. 6. The whole story of Hosea is about God's mercy. Uh, where God instructs the prophet Hosea to to marry a prostitute and to remain faithful to her, even though she would not be faithful to him. And it's interesting in Hosea, at the beginning of Hosea 6, we read this verse in verse 3. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let's press on to know him. And he will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn. Oh, that we might know the Lord. And then just a few verses later, here's God speaking. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show, I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. In other words, God's saying, I don't care about your religious systems. What I care about is whether or not you know me intimately, whether we're together on this. And I want you to be characterized by what, what characterizes me, and that is the outworking of my love in things like mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so Jesus is sending the religious people back and saying, I've got some homework for you. This is what I want you to understand. Mercy trumps doctrine. At least when it's exclusive, when it keeps some people out so that the ones on the inside can feel like they're safe and happy, then there's a problem. And Jesus is pushing against that, not only in, in what he's saying to them, but in what he's doing. He's enacting, he's modeling out what mercy looks like, how it is lived out in daily life. And that is to make sure that, that it doesn't exclude. And so he's saying to them, you need to read this and you need to think about what it means. What does it mean for you to be characterized by mercy? And I think Jesus wants his kingdom filled with people who understand the value and the power of mercy, of grace, of forgiveness. I think Jesus is communicating to to not only the people around him, but to all who would read this text who have come after, that those who know that they are sinful can be helped. It's those who feel like they've got it all together that he can't help. It's the same as a doctor can't help cure someone who doesn't want to be cured or who doesn't want to be fixed, who won't admit that they are sick. And I think in this case, there's the invitation that whenever the system becomes more important than the person, then the system needs to go. It's about, it's about the power and the emphasis on, on relationships and on loving people like Jesus loved us. 
And what often happens uh, in our religious systems is that the religious system takes on an authority all by itself. And anyone who doesn't conform to the system or anyone who pushes against the system is judged and is ostracized and and, and is excluded. And Jesus is just turning all of that and saying, no, that is not what God wants. He wants mercy and he wants you to know him, not perform your religious system perfectly. Here's what I found. It's not just religious people who live religiously. Non-religious people also live religiously because rather than looking to to a spiritual system, they've created their own system of, of maintaining order and meaning in life. And that system of maintaining order and meaning often is at the expense of excluding some who don't fit within the parameters of their system. So even non-religious system create ways of excluding some people that they don't want to be with, that they deem undeserving. See, I don't even think it's a matter about being religious or non-religious. I think, it's, I think this is a human condition. We, um, we form systems that help us make sense of life and maintain order. And anyone that doesn't fit in our system is marginalized. And it's that act that Jesus is pushing against here in this text and still doing so today. Now, I do think religious people have a harder time with receiving this idea about being merciful because the systems that we're living, whatever system that is, It's a religious system, which means that we've somehow convinced ourselves that God has ordained the system that we're embracing and living out. And therefore, we think that there's a justification in how we treat some people because because God has ordained the system that we're living. And I think the Pharisees felt very much that way, and Jesus is pushing against that and saying, no, 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 no. If that system... Uh, is replacing or or excluding people so that they don't experience the mercy of God, then it has to go. Jesus wants people who know that they are sinners rather than those who think that they've got it all together and that their system is making them right with God. It's a beautiful passage. And I think for, for, for me and for you, it is pushing against those parts of our lives um, where, we are living relig- where we are living religiously at the expense of other people. So I leave you with this question. Who is there in your life that you are excluding because they don't fit the system that you think is acceptable to yourself and to God? Because you're afraid that if you let them in, they're going to taint your system. They're going to negatively influence you. That somehow they're not deserving of your love, of your acceptance, of your forgiveness. Or that you think they're not deserving of God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. And we might say, no, 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 I don't think that. We might not in our heads be aware that we think that, but the way we live and the way we act actually is revealing what's going on in our hearts and our minds. And so I leave you with that question. 
where do you need to grow in mercy, in understanding this passage from Hosea 6, in embracing what Jesus is calling us to here in Matthew 9? And opening yourself up to Jesus means sometimes letting go of the systems that you've embraced or that you've created and taking on his new system, his new way of living. And that's another way of talking about new life. It's about being willing to admit that not only is that person sinful, but I'm just as sinful and even more so perhaps. That whatever I see sticking out of their eye, a speck of dust in their eye, I need to realize that there's a log sticking out of my eye. Whatever I see that's wrong with them, it's probably way worse in myself. And then that invites me to embrace the way of mercy, the way of love, the way of grace, the way of forgiveness that Jesus has come to give us and to invite us to also live through his power. So it means letting go of the system I think is right, that I think is making me right with God, and actually receiving from him. It's admitting that I'm sick, that I'm broken, that I need a doctor, and then turning to him for healing and for life and for newness. And then embracing the way of mercy. And I said earlier that Jesus oozed mercy. And may that be characteristic of your life as well, that when people see you and interact with you, they would realize that mercy is dripping from every pore of your body. And that's a mercy that I think comes from being willing to embrace and receive from Jesus himself. The one who eats with sinful people the one who understands who needs a doctor and who doesn't. And may that become true for you as well. Amen.